All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We're in partnership with Black and Gold Hockey Productions. You're here with co-host father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you today? Doing great. So we have another sort of breaking news, getting ready for the quarterfinal matchup between Manchester and Sheffield. We have our friend and my favorite sports writer, Bob Westerdale, all the way from Sheffield, joining us. Bob, welcome again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much indeed. I'm most honoured that anybody in America would be the slightest bit interested in what's going on in, in this country. Uh, well, you, we're, we're much more interested in whether Donald Trump is going to be eating porridge for the rest of his life. Yeah, no shit. Well, we have a bunch of fake uh, uh, mugshot photos, so I'm sure we'll see the real ones yeah. soon. That's <laughs> funny. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, uh, lot of energy being put into the quarterfinals uh, and our North American listeners understand the whole two game goal aggregate uh, of how to move on to the semifinal final weekend coming up. Uh, we do want to talk Sheffield and I want to talk real quick about your brilliant article on which Sheffield team is going to show up for the playoffs. Um, I think you hit the nail right on the head. And do you have an answer of which Sheffield team's going to show up? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's impossible to say. Um, the only thing you can predict about Sheffield Steelers is they're completely un unpredictable. And the owner, for, for the owner to say that, to say that um, he doesn't know which team's turning up. And we're not just talking about playing the bigger teams or playing any team. They can absolutely set fire to any one of those nine other teams in the AIHL. But whether they do that or not, I don't know. One thing that struck me the other day was um, as the end of the regular league season was up nigh, uh, the coach said that it was important to go out on a high uh, because playoff hockey is not a light switch. You can't just switch it on and off. And then lo and behold, that weekend, it was... Exactly that. The light switch went on on the Saturday when they played reasonably well against Glasgow and uh, yeah, Glasgow, and then they went to Cardiff and showed their rear end. So going into the playoffs with uh, anything remotely uh, like momentum and form is just not happening. But who knows? Uh, as far as Manchester's concerned, you'd always favour a third-place team against a sixth-place team, especially if there's 29 points between them. And that's a lot of wins over the season. Uh, and there's been some ugly games that Manchester have been in. But uh, <laughs> absolutely impossible to tell. Um, you know, there's loads of occasions in the past where uh, the coach and others have saying, oh dear, don't fancy going to Manchester with that tiny cramped rink and, uh, you know, it's, it's not my favourite place to go. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they went there and won handsomely on Friday and then on Saturday came back to their luxurious palace in comparison, that is Sheffield Arena, and stuck <laughs> the place out. But overall, uh, I think they'll probably limp home. And I, I don't say that. I know this will probably make me unpopular with loads of people, and I'd be delighted if I was proved wrong. But uh, if you've lost half of your last 14 games, um, and that's the running, so if you can't inspire yourself in the running, are you going to be able to do so in the playoffs? 
I wish you knew the answer, chaps. Yeah, so they seem to run into the same January, February slump, and it seems to be almost almost a tradition for Sheffield, at least in the last few years of greats or have a great first half of the season and the second half they do the struggling. Can you pin down why that's happening? Um, I'm afraid I'm the world's worst export <laughs> expert that you've asked on, on that. And, there, and uh, it's not just me. I don't think they know either, because if you look at some of the players on that team uh, and they've got an experienced coaching staff uh, and they've got an owner who's prepared to fund them and they've got an astonishing fan base, all of that you would think would level into some form of consistency. And it did. You know, up until January the 1st or 2nd, uh, they won 11 games straight. Now that is league winning form and that's what we want to see. Uh, but then it, it stopped being that. Yes, they've had a couple of injuries. Um, and yes, you'd expect teams to always have a bit of a dip. Um, but who knows? What One thing I put to the coach the other day, which was uh, a bit of a brainstormer, uh, and he didn't really accept it. I asked him uh, why it was that they weren't scoring as many goals as Belfast and Guildford and Cardiff and even Coventry, who's below them. Um, and he said that over 54 games, you'd expect a disparity and it wasn't anything major. Uh, he's entitled to that view and he knows, he knows 10 times more than I do. But, you know, I just think that... Uh, some of the bigger players have been through droughts, which again, you would expect. I'm not being critical of any individuals, but it's not quite worked for some of them. If you look at that first line, they're certainly capable of being the most exciting one around. Um, what's that? Scott Allen, Newman and Ciampini. Uh, and other occasions when they don't find the back of the net and it goes on for a few matches and it's a little bit disappointed and then they smash it the next weekend. So you tell me what's going to happen this weekend because I'm over here and I haven't got a clue. <laughs> do, you, do you think because this is such a veteran type team, a lot of the players are over 30 years old, at least the guys are going to be getting a lot of those ice time. Do you think maybe because due to the longevity of the season, once it gets to January, February, it starts to weigh down on them, slow them down? All Do you think that plays into effect watching these games? Or do you think not really? It's just maybe a, a system thing they have to figure out. That's a, that's a good question, that. And the answer is profoundly no. Because if you look in the last 10 games, who the best players have been, and who have been the most consistent players? The ones you'd start, the one you'd start with is Brendan Connolly, who came back from an ACL injury, uh, wasn't having a good time. I actually feared at one point they got rid of Adam Rasker, but I thought at one point uh, they might ask him to um, to sit out permanently. They didn't, uh, which shows you know a great deal of confidence, and it's just great to see. Brendan Connolly being the player of the team. Now, he's always been capable of that, but this is his retirement year. Um, Jonathan Phillips is, you know, is, is retiring. He's 40. Uh, he, he does so much work for the team. Uh, Robert Dowd, you know, I mean, I can't think of anybody working harder than Robert Dowd at the moment. 
Uh, Andy scoring some unstoppable goals, end-to-end stuff. So all of those guys um, you know, aren't necessarily at the younger end of the scale. So I don't think it's that at all. Do you think there, there's going to be an issue for Greenfield, who has been on fire, with the workload that he's had this season? Because we hear about tandems, goalie tandems now, and splitting up the workload. I mean, he's played almost every game, but I think, what, four periods total? Right. Do you think that that's too much? Or do you think that Greenfield has been looking fine and should be ready to go? I think if you ask Matt Greenfield to also sell tickets for the game and be on the turnstiles two hours before face-off, he'd probably do it. I think he's thriving on this. He came in at the start of this season and everybody was thinking that he'd probably end up as the number two. And he's been brilliant. And his form has never really dipped. Um, it would be absolutely uh, astonishing for me if he wasn't the best player over the next four games, should they go uh, into the Nottingham weekend. Um, for me, he just gets better. Um, and if they don't sign him next season, uh, I will walk down Fargate with my buttocks in the air. Uh, Fargate being a, a road in the middle of Sheffield because they just have to. And I said to him the other day, we might as well just sort of duct tape you to a to a chair here and make sure you, you don't go anywhere. Um, there's, there's a reason why he won every single award worth winning effectively at the Players and uh, uh, Supporters Club dinner the other night, uh, which does tell you something about the league. Uh, sorry, something about the team. He's been by far the best player and uh, it would be really nice if we didn't have to speak to him because all the forwards and all the defence did the rest of the work going forward and we pile some goals in on the other end. So our questions that we're asking you have been a little bit more, I guess, maybe some of the Sheffield fans might say on the negative side. So <laughs> since we don't want to get it on, on Twitter from the Sheffield fans, at least us, we'll, we'll talk a little bit positives. Yeah, so Greenfield is one of them. So when Osterling got hurt, Greenfield had that opportunity. Boy, did he take that opportunity. He's played almost every game. We talked about that. He has to be on the top of his form. Um, do you think Sheffield is prepared to offer him the contract? Because they will have to pay up. I mean, he was going to be a second string goalie, I think, on paper. And now he's shown what he's worth. And boy, he has value. Is it my rather upsetting image of walking down the high street with my buttocks in the it air? Is. Not enough for you, my friend. At the end of the day, I would be astonished. Well, of course, you'd expect other people, other teams with bigger budgets to come in for them. Um, but, you know, I have no inside knowledge of this. All I would say is uh, when you really, really need a player back, you go to the wall for them. You know, what that what the budget is for a goalie, I don't know. But they'll they'll find it. I'm bloody sure of it. I'm absolutely sure of it. Uh, I think the bigger question is what's going to happen to some of the others because there could be a fire clearance. So if they go out of um, the um, uh, playoffs this weekend in the quarterfinal, wow. It's going to be like a revolving door. They're just going to be chucking bodies out. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Well, let's look at this. The uh, Sheffield and Manchester, uh, they faced, uh, what, six times. Yep. Sheffield had them five times. Manchester only beat them in, uh, I believe it was in February. Um, all yep. the stats point to uh, Sheffield. And, of course, we have said this all season long, the depth of Sheffield's team is uh, very, 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 very deep. Right. Where Manchester, they only have a, a, a few good players, players to watch out for. We'd like to get your thoughts since you've seen them play. What are some of the Manchester players to look out for? Well, obviously you have Anthony DeLuca, um, who's their top scorer this season. You have Scott Simmons, who I believe has been playing alongside with him. He's also averaging 51% on the faceoff dot. Um, and then you also, I want to highlight Jeremy Brodeur, who's also a Bruins prospect. Right. I, I he's think a, he's, he's gotten kind of a, um, not a, Fair season. I mean, he's he's he hasn't had the best support, but uh, twenty and sixteen. But he's supposed to be a good good goaltender. So maybe maybe he gets hot. But um, I don't know if he's going to get hotter than Greenfield. We sat down. We talked off air. We did sit down this morning with uh, Deluca, and of course he 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 loves Sheffield, and, but he's with Manchester. He'd love nothing more than to upset uh, his old team here this weekend. He's got a little bit of a grudge that he feels he needs to prove. Uh, could he be the key player for Manchester to possibly upset Sheffield? Absolutely, of course he can. I call it the DeLuca factor. Um, the last game, I think it was the last game he played at Sheffield, he didn't do a lot. And he's a very competitive guy, and I'm sure he wants to put that right, and it's the playoffs. So we will see... Uh, DeLuca probably at his at his finest. Um, he, he's spoken about you know possibly trying to get into an Italian team um, and playing in the Olympics at some point, uh, which means him going over there next season. I hope he doesn't. Uh, I hope he stays here in some form or other. If you look at his figures, I think it's 29 goals in 46 games. You compare that with Steelers' top uh, league goal scorer, 24 goals in 50 games. Uh, I would suggest that, uh, well, you, you make that point about depth. He's playing in a sixth place team and scoring all those goals. What would he be capable of if he came back and did the same? Um, you know, the, the thing is, the other thing is, like Steelers will want to lasso Greenfield and bring him back. They'll already be thinking, because they're a modern, uh, up-to-date and aggressive club, they'll already be thinking of who can we get in and make this better. Because playoffs are great, icing on the cake, but it's not the league championship. And I know you guys are going to find that bizarre, but that's the way it is. Right. They'll all be thinking about players like him and players like... Scott Conway at Belfast. You know, they'll be looking for the very best and sniffing around. So, so will Cardiff, so will Belfast, so will Guildford. Um, so, but the DeLuca factor is slightly different because he's got form here. He's loved here. You know, they get you get some players who come back to Sheffield and they get booed. And that's ridiculous. Like Ben O'Connor, perhaps talked about this before. Uh, DeLuca will be a great moment for the Steelers club should they bring him back. 
So we'll see what happens, but uh, I wish him all the best anyway. I don't think he likes me hugely because I wrote that story about when he got banned for um, for cannabis. Um, but that's life, baby. So well, yeah, that's 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 news, uh, and and that's your job. And I don't think he's too bent out of shape about that because uh, I mean that was just the news. Do you think it's possible? I'll just leave it at that. And of course, you don't have the inside scoop on this, but. Is it possible, knowing the owner, is it possible that DeLuca could end up in Sheffield next season? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There you um, go. The, the reason I'm saying that is because I just think of the potential impact. If you brought in Fred Smith from Kamloops, and he is probably just as good as DeLuca, uh, that's one thing, you know, the fans would love to to see somebody, would begin to love to see him over the period, you know, the first few months. But you don't have to wait that long because, say, they did broke, bring DeLuca back, saying uh, you'd, you'd drip feed it out in August. There'd be suddenly an even bigger clamour, and they do very well for ticket sales, but there'd be an even bigger one. And then they'd be able to sell DeLuca's back in an orange shirt on this night for a friendly, and then do it again for the league programme. So the whole thing is like a, a big fuzzing goodwill, uh, fizzing goodwill uh, aspects. And uh, personally, I hope he does. I haven't got a clue whether he does or not. He might be playing in Italy and eating spaghetti next week for all I know. Right. So, Bob, I want to get your opinion on this because I did hear you just mention that the last time you watched DeLuca play against Sheffield that, uh, you know, he's a competitive guy, but maybe had his foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Well, we just had him on the show and not to put DeLuca on the spot or anything, but he did bring up an interesting point and the backstory behind it makes sense why he he uh, acts this way. But he says that, uh, you know, he has a hard time not being competitive, but maybe finishing his checks and playing his typical you know, style of game, being a rat and everything, especially against former teammates and friends. And he says that he had has trouble uh, this season against some of his Sheffield friends. And he had mentioned a story way back when, when he was a younger teenager where he was playing against uh, one of his best friends and uh, kind of boarded him a little bit and hurt him. And his friend's like, what the hell were you doing type deal? And he said that kind of scarred him. Do you think that with that information now and just maybe how you, how you watched him play last game, do you think that, uh, Unless he just gets into that that mindset of, of playing and winning the uh, playoff hockey, you think that that could affect his performance going in? Did, did he say that on air? He, he did. did on air said that. Yeah. Yes, well, it is so unusual to hear a professional athlete say that. Um, yeah. I'm quite, I mean, yeah, I'm quite I, surprised at that, given the fact that you cannot play ice hockey and hold yourself back in any way, especially if you're being paid by a team like Manchester Storm, which isn't swimming in money, um, and they need everybody to earn their wages. So I'm very surprised at what you said. I, I get the emotional tie of, you know, you want to run over Jonathan Phillips after a 1,000 games, and he's a big pal of yours. And I, I think DeLuca is an emotional guy. I saw him when a, a player was leaving midterm in a game, and he seemed very upset about that. Uh, and I won't be judgmental on this, but it's a business. You know, you see, two, but I like boxing. And if you had two guys from the same gym who were suddenly at the same weight and suddenly trying to win a British Lonsdale belt or whatever, and they had to fight each other, do you think one of them would just pull out when it came to the killer punch? I don't think right. so. Right. So I, I'm, 
I'd have to know the context of what he said, and I understand that you know what a lovely, in some respects, what a lovely thing to say, but um, not for me that. Yeah, and you know, to be clear, I think it's more of a. I think he was thinking of. Uh, I mean, we we talked about Brad Marchand here, the Boston Bruins, who who tends to play a little bit on the dirty side, or he'll say skirts on the edge of playing dirty, and uh, that you know he was going to kind of play more of a. I would say discipline style hockey. And I don't know how that's going to affect him this weekend. If he does remain disciplined and doesn't try to uh, skirt that boundary of dirty play uh, that he's known for at times, I don't know that maybe he might score more goals, but definitely he needs, he said he needs to stay out of the penalty box. Yeah. Well, And I can understand that. And that's a slightly different uh, way of looking at what he might have said. I've not heard what he said. I just know he's a really good player. And the damage he'll want to do isn't being a a rat. He'll be whacking it past Greenfield. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. And Manchester have probably got a better penalty kit, sorry, a better power play than Sheffield have got. And there will be opportunities this weekend for him. And it wouldn't at all surprise me if he took him. Uh, I hope he doesn't, but um, we'll see. Yeah, no, you're right. The power play, looking at the stats, Sheffield sits almost in last. And yeah, Manchester's, Manchester's in fifth. So yeah. they're not great either, but it's a little bit better than Sheffield. On the penalty kill, uh, Sheffield seems to do the job. They're in third place while Manchester has trouble when they're a man down, that I think they're in well, seventh is well, the stat. And what's impressive with the penalty kill numbers, too, is that uh, they are sitting in dead last when it takes penalty minutes per game at, like, 12 penalty minutes. So even though they're taking a lot of penalties, Sheffield, they are killing it. So they're definitely getting their reps in on it. You always feel quite comfortable in the penalty kill. Um, uh, well, there have been some glaring times on the power play where you think, when you know, when's this shot going to come? Uh, and a couple of players have said to me, not necessarily about the, the PP, um, but um, we're trying to be too fancy. Let's just get the puck to the net and hopefully it goes off somebody's backside. Uh, let's see what happens. But the thing about Manchester is they've just won in Nottingham. Uh a week before, they had their arse handed to them 9-1 by Belfast Giants. I mean, if I can't predict what Sheffield are going to do, I sure can't predict what Manchester are going to do. It's bizarre. That's the very essence of sport, though, gentlemen, isn't it? That's true. That is very true. Um, Sheffield players, I think, that could turn uh, this whole playoff season around. Uh, Petgrave, he's, he's been... Boy, what an addition for Sheffield this season. And Brett Newman, only Young 23 kid. years old, putting it in the net. Now, what about underrated Scott Allen? And no Scott, one's talking about old Scott Allen, man. Scott Allen's starting to light it up. I think he's got like three shorthanded goals. Why do you say he's underrated? I just feel like people don't talk about Allen as much, at least when I'm on social media. Nobody's given him the props that he deserves, and I think – I mean, 32 years old, and he's got 45 points in 50 games. I mean, people got to talk about that a little bit more, in my opinion, at least from what I've seen. Wow. Andrew going on the limb here, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think people talk about him enough. Well, fair play. Uh, he's, he's, he's my kind of hockey player, although I'm sure he would agree with me. A few more points uh, wouldn't, have, uh, wouldn't have harmed. And he's had droughts, as has 
just about everybody. But that we were talked briefly before about that line with um, uh, uh, Newman and Ciampini. Um, you, you just have to think that can click, and it has clicked. You know, it might have had the odd moment where it wasn't, but you certainly probably wouldn't. Certainly, probably you wouldn't change it now because it might just happen. Um, and I'm really glad you brought Newman up because. Um, I asked on Twitter today if there was anybody quicker that they've ever seen, the fans have ever seen in an orange shirt than uh, Martin Latal, the Czech winger. And Newman isn't that far behind. He's so fast. I mean, you have trouble watching him, let alone playing against him. Um, so I like him. And Ciampini apparently is quite a favourite with other players. Um, by that I mean I sometimes like to hear this I like to you know, I can make some assessment of somebody not knowing what the hell I'm talking about the coach might have a totally different view of that when you hear the players saying oh he's bloody great to play with he is then uh, I think that's you know like the end of season award players player of the year always makes for the best part of the event in my view and I think a lot of people are very very keen on Ciampini within the dressing room. Absolutely. We heard um, there was social media buzz about uh, the owner uh, kind of clamping down on the team during the January, February, somewhere around there about them, you know, not showing up for the games and so forth and um, it just certainly wasn't some, uh, some, something from a source we heard that uh, that message really didn't get to the players, meaning the players uh, were kind of uh, uh, feeling like we show up every game, you know, uh, you know, kind of you, you don't need to worry about us. We're going to show up to every single game. And I remember that there was a lot of the fans jumping on them and rightfully so and the owner jumping on them. But I wonder if Fox kind of protected his players. He kind of took the. Uh, the lashing, if you would, from from the owner, but I'm not sure if it got directly to the players. And I think the players remained focused. That was sort of the stories we heard. I'm not sure what what you heard, meaning that the players are, are trying to play their top game. They're not taking a night off, so to speak. Sorry, are you saying that Tony said that some of them were taking the time off? Yeah, I think there was wasn't there around in February. There was he was came out and he said, yeah. you know, yeah. chastised um, the thing is, A, he's entitled to say that because he pays right. them all. And B, he was right. Yeah. Right in the sense that you win one, you lose one, you win one, you lose one. That isn't title winning form. And if he doesn't say that, uh, A, he's either an absentee landlord or B, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he, I think I'm fairly sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Yorkshireman. He is. But Yorkshiremen are um, historically known as straight shooters. They say it how it is. Um, he could probably say a lot more than, than what he does say. Um, but, you know, that, that, that the point we made earlier on about, um, you know, which team's going to turn up. You only said that last week, and you're referring to something back in January. Well, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Which team turned up in January? A pretty rubbish one in terms of results. 
And you, when you make that point about, do I think that Aaron Fox protected them? Well, that's his job. You know, within the dressing room, he'll pull every player and have a conversation with them. He's a modern manager. He knows how to deal with people. He knows how to deal with a group. Uh, but talking to me or anybody else, he'll have a slightly different version. Well, of course he would. You know, if he was going to rubbish Frank Fred Smith uh, for a really poor 10 shifts that he's done in the game, then he's not going to get the best out of Fred Smith next time round. So he needs them all. I mean, he's probably thinking, as he sat there tonight in his lovely little apartment, thinking to himself, which team am I going to get? <laughs> Just like telling you. And he'll be working hard in training. He'll be trying every single uh, device to get them to do what they what he wants them to do. Um, the other thing, of course, he'll be the first to admit, he recruited them all. So yeah. his, his name is stamped on this. Yeah. It means a lot to him. I don't think I've ever known any coach that works quite as hard or long hours as he does. There's plenty in the past that hardly worked at all. Um, so we'll see. It's for uh, we'll play the ignorant Americans here for a moment, and then we'll 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 wrap this up. Is it kind of a, a UK culture, maybe a football culture, that the team owner is so vocal? Because you don't have that in North America, yeah. even at the East Coast. And, and I'm not criticizing the, the owner. And you're right. He can say what he wants. But um, we're curious as Americans. We don't even we, like we never hear from owners of any team right. ever in North America, no matter if it's NHL or ECHL. Um, I think it depends on who asks him the question, really. For instance, like, like we've said before, um, geographically across the United Kingdom, there are some great journalists asking questions in Belfast, um, in uh, in Scotland, uh, and uh, <laughs> trying to think of other places now. But there's plenty of other papers which no longer, uh, not just papers, but web platforms, no longer analyse every single game and get, in, get into the coaches and the owners as much as they used to do. That, that's, that's, of course, the parlour state of this industry that I'm in. Um, but if you ask Tony Smith a question, he will probably very, very likely give you the answer. And it's not an answer you necessarily are expecting. I think he tells the truth. I think his son's a bit like that. Um, typical Yorkshireman. You know, it's not both. He, he just gets it said. And whatever he says to Aaron afterwards, we'll never get to know the full idea. But he's not. A, I can't think for a minute he's a happy man. I mean, you think of all the players that he started off with, he had to get rid of, you always have to get rid of the odd, odd one, but, you know, since the start of the season, he's had Pachule, Christo, the goalie, Levine, Akered. So he's brought four in, on top of bringing all the rest of them in. Uh, and the Brits will be paid, hopefully, as, as much as any Brit in the country. So I think he's done his bit. I just hope that the players do their bit. I think Aaron's done his bit as well, by the way. Certainly not being critical of him. But I, what really cheeses me off is I want him to play well consistently, yeah. but I want him to play well in the big games particularly. And when they played, was it uh, Fife uh, in the um, run-in in the uh, Challenge Cup 
uh, and then lost. And then they were out of that. I mean, that, that's a nice little trinket there. And lose to, uh, what would they have been at that point? Um, next to bottom, I think they'd have been at that point. And Sheffield lost over two legs to them. I'm hoping we've got five right. I think I'm fairly sure of. Um, that cannot continue. It can't continue this season, and it must not continue next season. Because this is a franchise that hasn't won the league since 2016. And it has to, because you, you can't keep... I mean, the fan base is extraordinary. I wish you guys would see it one day. I mean, they'd probably lose, a, you know, a thousand or so if they were rubbish for several weeks on end. But they still have more, probably, than anybody else. Now, reward those guys. That's what Smith wants to do, the owner. Yeah, that's what the coach wants to do. Uh, let's hope the players uh, do it as well. So final thoughts on this weekend. And I also want to ask this, if not Sheffield, Belfast or Guilford? We've had a Guilford player on not too long ago. I mean, no one expected Guilford to do anything this season. And they've been very consistent, almost the opposite of what Sheffield, and it's paying off for them. So any last thoughts for this weekend, possibly a prediction, maybe not. We don't want to put you on the spot. But if Sheffield doesn't go all the way and win the championship, what are the two top teams beyond that that you would look to, to win it? Well, I think Belfast is a wonderful franchise. Um, and I'm glad in what's been, a, obviously, in my lifetime, a trouble city. They've got a sporting club there that all sides of the community can uh, get behind. So anything they do is good with me. I used to go to um, Belfast and Londonderry and uh, Cross McGlen and County Armagh on jobs uh, earlier in my, in my um, first life, so to speak. Um, and I really like Northern Ireland, so I want them to do well. Um, but, you know, Guildford, um, with a British coach, um, they've been coming for some time and everybody thought they'd fall away at Christmas and they didn't, you know, and they've landed in second place. So I have good feelings about them. Um, but my final prediction for this weekend is Steelers win 5-1 at Manchester on Friday and then lose 3-2 at home on Saturday and go through. <laughs> Ah, Interesting. actually, Interesting. I can I can see that. That's a yeah. pretty good prediction. Yeah, <laughs> Bob, Bob, we'll say goodbye off air, but uh, we can't thank you enough uh, for coming on and sharing thoughts and try to you know promote this quarterfinal. I think either way, even though it's sixth place, third place, I think it's going to be an exciting series. Mm, thank you very much for having me.